mornings. I'm Chris Oaks. And coming up today, want to really back the blue? You can join the Citizens Sheriff's Academy and learn how law enforcement really works. It's the latest in our series of crime prevention conversations. Also this morning, with fewer homes selling for more money and mortgage rates at a 20-year high, why would anyone want to buy a home right now? We'll take a long-range look at the real estate market and trends for the rest of 2023 and into 2024. And Coach's Corner host John Marshall will join us as we prepare to kick off another high school sports season. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Wednesday, August 16th, 2023. The stories continue to come out of Hawaii, uh, the aftermath of those uh, devastating wildfires, uh, the one that destroyed Lahaina, um, more bodies being found in the charred rubble of the town, still about a thousand people unaccounted for, but the death toll is now over a hundred. When that Hawaiian community, historic community of Lahaina is rebuilt, it may look very different than it did before. Apparently, reports of real estate developers swooping in and aggressively making offers to purchase the properties of those who lost their homes in the wildfire last week. And some of these are scams. Some of these are people who are looking to take advantage because scam artists know absolutely no shame. But then there are other cases of legitimate opportunists coming in Uh, looking for an opportunity to redevelop that land. As you might imagine, Hawaii, such a tourist hotspot, land is at a premium. What does it say? Uh, The median price of a home in Maui has soared to roughly $1.2 million. The median price of a condo is $850,000. And uh, so if there are... You know, if, the, if there's an opportunity for people to come in and buy up, buy up this land, build new condos or new multi-million dollar homes for the rich and famous right there you know, on the uh, on the coastline of Maui, uh, they see the opportunity and they're going to jump on it. Now, the residents, longtime residents, very historic area. A lot of people have lived there for years and years and years, in some cases, generations, very offended by this, obviously. Um, but they worry that if insurance payouts and government assistance don't come fast enough, those who lost everything in the fire may lose hope and may lose the ability to hold on to their properties, and they may actually end up selling out of desperation to individuals who will drastically change their beloved but rapidly gentrifying community because it is uh, an aging community. Uh, In the days since the fire began, it says here developers reached out to uh, reached out about acquiring the land uh, that families lived on for years, if not generations. And uh, so that is an interesting aspect of this story uh, to continue to watch. When they rebuild Lahaina, will it look, I mean, it's obviously going to look different because it was, uh, very historic. A lot of those historic buildings are gone, so it will have a, a different look and feel. But just how different uh, remains to be seen. So interesting. By the way, 
Uh, speaking of tourism, it's uh, something we were talking about the other day on the program. You really feel for the people there, not just because they lost everything. I mean, that's terrible. But in many cases, people losing their livelihood because they depend so heavily on tourism. And now, uh, obviously, it's not a tourism hotspot anymore. Um Matter of fact, some of the uh, people who live in and around, this is how serious it is. People who live in and around Lahaina and, and parts of Maui are telling tourists to stop coming, at least for the time being. All of the resources that are currently here need to be used on local residents, according to one user on TikTok. Um, authorities have already urged local residents to conserve water and hotels and resorts um, tend to consume a lot of that those valuable resources. And the hotels and resorts are filling up with displaced people who lost their homes. So there's not a whole lot of room there for uh, tourists at the time being. What a mess. But hopefully they can get back on their feet soon. Some of the other uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Wednesday morning started. Speaking of travel, where do you want to travel next year? We're coming toward the end of summer vacation season. And so already the tourism industry, the travel and tourism industry, is trying to predict where people will want to go next year. According to a new survey of 2,000 U.S. adults, um, Americans have at the top of their travel wish list four different places for 2024. Four different places for 2024. Canada, Mexico, and France. (laughs) That's kind of interesting. Uh, Canada, Mexico, and France top the list of potential destinations. 37% of those in the survey want to become experienced travelers. Um, 29% just want to go someplace to relax. Um, So we mentioned Canada, Mexico, and France as the top three, but we said four different locations are really at the top of the list. You know what the fourth one is? Uh, It is the most popular historic destination, and that is Egypt. So, kind of interesting. I would not have guessed uh, Egypt, certainly. And even France, I think, is a, a bit of a surprise. I mean, I know France is always up there in terms of international destinations, but why France over all of the other European and Scandinavian and you know all of those other destinations, I don't know. But those are the uh, top ones. Canada, Mexico, France, and uh, Egypt. 44% say that the TV shows that they watch on... Uh, on television play a role in deciding where they want to go on vacation. And one of the reasons why France is right up there near the top is the TV show Emily in Paris. It's a very uh, popular streaming show. Very influential in where people want to go. And that's really the reason why uh, so many uh, communities, so many cities and uh, international countries try to lure production companies because the tourism people know that that is a big influence on where people want to go on vacation so they try to uh, encourage the production of television shows and movies and such in their locations so it does pay off 
Um, so as we transition into out of summer and into the back to school season, I thought this was uh, kind of interesting as we prepare to send the students back to class across the country. Kids have been absent from school at record rates since schools reopened after the pandemic. Um, before the pandemic shut everything down. So you know, there's just like, that's the uh, delineating mark there. So you've got before the pandemic and after the pandemic. Before the pandemic, only 15% of students missed at least 10% of the school year. That is the threshold over 10%. If you miss more than 10% of the days of the school year, then you're considered chronically absent. And only 15% of students reached that uh, threshold before the pandemic. After the pandemic, it's more than a quarter of students, more than one in four, have missed, uh, missed at least 10% of last school year, uh, making them chronically absent. Uh, All told, an estimated 6.5 million additional students became chronically absent, according to the uh, data which was compiled by Stanford University in partnership with the Associated Press. And absences were more prevalent among Latino, Black, and low-income students. So, I don't know what that says, but uh, it's interesting data nonetheless. So make sure that your kids are getting back to school. Very important. And it's kind of interesting that, uh, you know, the difference there pre-pandemic and post-pandemic. From the file of research we did not need, a new study suggests that crocodiles may be drawn to the sound of crying babies. (laughs) Apparently... Uh, This research was done in Great Britain and the Proceedings of the Royal Society. The Royal Society's main biological research journal reports that crocodiles were found to react to the cries of baby baboons, chimpanzees, and even baby humans, and they appear to be able to detect varying degrees of distress. Uh, According to this published research, they played audio recordings of infants crying to the crocodiles and discovered that the reptiles were drawn to those that seemed the most distressed. Which, is this a surprise? They're predatory animals, although the scientists say uh, not just for predatory reasons, predatory reasons, uh, researchers uh, theorize that uh, there may be a maternal instinct going on in female crocodiles. (laughs) I'm not sure that I want to find out, though. A report in Britain's independent uh, newspaper uh, said uh, the higher the uh, distress level, the cries, the more the crocodiles would respond and the quicker they would respond. So... research we did not need but yet we have so make of it what you will and speaking of research that we probably didn't need at least we shouldn't need this a new survey shows 
that saying hello to your neighbors is linked to greater well-being for both them and you. According to Gallup, American adults who regularly greet their neighbors have better well-being than those who don't. And the more people you greet, the more well-being you have. So it's the more people you greet, the more you get out of it. And the more they get out of it. Uh, Older Americans and those with higher income tend to greet their neighbors more often. On average, the poll says Americans report greeting five of their neighbors. Uh, About 25% say hello to six or more of their neighbors. And I don't know if that is a on a daily basis, a weekly basis, or you know, over what period of time they greet five. Because I don't know, uh, greeting five neighbors every day. I think the only way that I could probably do that at my neighborhood is to go door to door. And I think people would start to think I'm weird. Although my neighbors probably already think I'm weird, but probably would think even more so. But. Anyway, that's, again, one of those things from the file of things we should not have to need research on. I mean, we should know to do that. We should know this inherently. That if we greet our neighbors, it's going to lead to greater well-being for both us and them. I mean, that's kind of a no-brainer, isn't it? It's kind of intuitive. But So we shouldn't need the research. But since we have it, let's practice that. How about we make that the assignment today? Let's practice that. Greet your neighbors today and see how much better it makes you and them feel. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Wednesday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Plenty of sunshine expected today with a high around 80. Clear skies tonight, a low around 60. The Ohio Department of Transportation is planning yet another overpass for State Route 15 in Hancock County. This one on County Road 193 near Van Lu. Hancock County Engineer Doug Cade says these overpasses are all about improving safety. In the last 20 years, we've seen a huge increase in the number of accidents. And because of the high speeds uh, that are associated with State Route 15, the severity is enormous. Two other overpass projects along State Route 15 are currently underway and scheduled to be finished this year. One is at County Road 180 over State Route 15 near Findlay and the other at County Road 169 near Van Lu. Get more on all these projects in this story on our website. The EPA is considering a formal review of vinyl chloride, which is the chemical that burned after a Norfolk Southern train derailed in East Palestine, Ohio, earlier this year. The agency could look over whether the chemical poses a major risk to people. Meanwhile, those who live in East Palestine continue to complain about the side effects after being exposed to it. The muscle aches, cramps, my bones hurt. I'm 35 years old. Inhalation of vinyl chloride has been linked to liver cancer and other health problems. I'm Yolanda Harris. Two people were injured when a vehicle crashed into a creek on the south side of Finley. The Hancock County Sheriff's Office said an SUV was going south on U.S. 68 State Route 15 when it exited on the ramp to go south on U.S. 68. The vehicle then lost control, slid off the wet roadway, hit a tree, and came to rest in Eagle Creek. The three people in the SUV were able to get out of the vehicle on their own. Two were taken to Blanchard Valley Hospital for minor injuries. 
Georgia is the number one team in the college football Associated Press preseason top 25. The Bulldogs received 60 of 63 first place votes to easily outpoint number two Michigan. The Wolverines received two first place votes. Ohio State is number three with one first place vote. Two more Southeastern Conference teams join Georgia in the top five. Alabama's number four and LSU starts ranked fifth. Dave James, ONN News. Remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. So now our cover story this morning. You know, we often hear uh, this phrase, back the blue, back the blue. We have uh, maybe the bumper stickers. We have the the, uh, thin blue line flags or or what have you. If you really want to back the blue, though, you can join the Citizens Sheriff's Academy. Learn how law enforcement really works. Get an inside look at this. Uh, joining us this morning for another of our Crime Prevention Conversations series is Captain Mark Price from the Hancock County Sheriff's Office. Captain, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Good to see you. Um, so, first of all, t- talk about what the Citizen Sheriff's Academy uh, actually is. I think we've all heard of the term, but maybe uh, some folks are not. And I have to admit, I'm, I'm probably not uh, as familiar with it as, as maybe I should be. What all is involved? What is the idea here? So, the idea um, was drafted up by Sheriff Heldman um, several years ago. It started back in 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, since then, we've held 31 classes and had almost 300 people go through these classes where it just gives an inside look at the operation of the sheriff's office because uh, there's more to the operation than just what you see the deputies driving around in their cruisers and things. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, you kind of forget about the corrections facility that's located there at um, 200 West Crawford and also kind of gives you an inside look at some of the other um, some of the other little just the operations yeah. and just the things that, you know, like you say, I mean, it's really easy to, you know, you see the the deputies and, you know, some of the things they do on a, on a regular basis. But really what goes into it, I think it's probably like any job. There's a lot more that goes on behind the scenes than people realize, but especially in law enforcement, especially in the past several years. No, then that's 100% right. It just gives you an inside look and see all the other operations that occur. Mm-hmm. And that we're not just you know one sided. There's a lot of sides. Um, there's a lot of um, just just a lot of different workings amongst mm-hmm. law enforcement today. Because yeah. it's just not a very small. It's a, we're very broad. Yeah. You know, we're very yeah. broad in, and, in what we do. And again, uh, like many uh, businesses uh, can attest to this as well. Uh, in in recent years that's really expanded i mean you know all of the different things that you do and the way that you do them with uh, technology and and so on uh is constantly changing so what is involved uh for those who would go through the citizen sheriff's academy what uh what will people learn so we we hold nine classes they run about two two and a half hours long and we just start with an overview the first class is more of an overview of the operation of the office sheriff hellman's there um, our fiscal officers there talks a little bit about budgeting. Uh, we roll into corrections. Uh, you get a jail tour. Um, you start talking to SRO members, yield members, some of the other uh, things that we uh, offer. Explorer post uh, comes in and talks. Uh, then we kind of dive into um, that just a little further. We talk a little more into the firearm side of, of law enforcement. We talk about uh, investigations and, and some of those uh, types of instances we have to investigate. We go over communications, um, our dispatch center. We also talk about um, 
Oh. You're talking about a behind-the-scenes uh, aspect of the sheriff's department. Nobody sees the dispatchers, but Correct. obviously you couldn't do what you do without them. No, yeah. no, we could not. They're, yeah. they're valuable people to, to the office. Didn't mean far. to interrupt, but that's a perfect example. What else is uh, part of this here? Um, and then we kind of do some wrap-ups. You know, we, we do talk about our court security because that's a big part of what we do, um, mm-hmm. uh, transport warrant division there at the sheriff's office. And then we kind of do a class wrap-up, just kind of, Explain everything, how we operate, so they get a little better look at what the sheriff's office does for the community. So, as you mentioned, this has been going on for uh, more than 20 years now. Uh, what is What has been the difference? What has been the impact that this has made uh, during the time that you've been uh, running these classes? I think, ultimately, it just gives an inside look. I mm-hmm. think our walls are a little tall. And I think this gives an opportunity for the citizens of the county and the city to attend these and, and kind of get an inside look at the sheriff's office and all the aspects that we do cover. Because I think there's more that meets the eye. Mm-hmm. And obviously fostering that that understanding and that knowledge uh, leads to better interactions with the community, I would imagine, in any number of ways. Well, I, I believe if people get a little education Mm-hmm. that they'll maybe be a little more willing to to assist us in the future if they, mm-hmm. maybe they're going to they're going to meet n- numerous deputies correction officers dispatchers and maybe that's just the way that they can relate to i was there i i remember seeing them yeah. I, i'm not afraid to call now i'm not afraid to maybe make a reach out on a email and say mm-hmm. this is what i got is yeah. there anything you can do to help us yeah uh, so how do folks register the next class is coming up next month? Uh, so about a month from now is the, uh, according to the current schedule. So how do folks register for this? If you get online to sheriff, uh, HancockSheriff.org, you can go there to find the forms. There's a little bit of some, um, paperwork needs filled out. We do complete a little bit of a background, um, on, on each subject. But, um, if, if that's not your techie side you're more welcome to call the sheriff's office um one of the clerks or or uh, the dispatcher will transfer your call around the office we'll get you some help we'll help you fill out the things that need done and we'll get you registered and the uh, classes start uh when september 14th and run through november 9th and that's pending you know weather conditions and you never know what what can happen sure um now this is is this a once a week thing is that the uh, idea Yes, we meet once a week, uh, typically on Thursdays, and okay. it runs from starts at six thirty. And the time we try to make sure you're out by nine, but some okay. sometimes each class takes a little longer, depending on class size yeah. and questions. And uh, and that's another uh, part of it uh, that I'm I'm sure is uh, really interesting and probably is a two way sort of thing. Uh, the opportunity for people to ask questions uh, and and get some answers and also maybe provide some insight to you and to those in law enforcement about what uh, is the mindset of people, what people are wondering about and curious about and concerned about within the community. No, I totally agree. I know there's been in the last several classes I've had the privilege to, to, to be part of these, um, uh, at least several of them throughout the class. And uh, questions are great. Yeah. Uh, they do make you think. Mm-hmm. Uh, they make you realize that maybe our education side needs to be a little stronger there at the sheriff's office because mm-hmm. we're not getting out our message yeah. you know, clear enough. Absolutely. It's just opening that those lines of dialogue. And uh, as you mentioned, it's uh, nine weeks, yes. right? So, uh, And there's not a commitment beyond that. It's like you're gonna, not going to put people out on the street oh, or anything. Oh, no. <laughs> and if you happen to miss a class due to a family emergency or something, that's fine. Sure. It's just... Um, and But by the way, I, I guess we should probably mention this because when I was uh, looking at the website uh, just uh, not too long ago, 
which we have linked up, by the way, to goodmornings.net, you do have some uh, job openings. So if somebody, you know, jumps into the uh, Citizen Sheriff's Academy and is is, is so inspired, uh, you have some places where people can actually, you know, choose that as a, a career path. So Yes, we do. We definitely have openings on the correction floor as well as Deputy Sheriff. All right. There you go. Uh, again, uh, Captain Mark Price with us in the uh, Hancock County Sheriff's Office. The uh, Citizens Sheriff's Academy latest class is coming up next month. And again, we've got a link up for more information at goodmornings.net. Uh, Captain Price, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Well, of course, we've all heard the stories. Mortgage rates are the highest they've been in 20 years. Median home prices are near all-time highs. Tight inventory makes even finding a home to buy a challenge right now. So you may be wondering, why would I even try to buy a home right now? Should I just wait for this overheated market to cool off? Well, there are many reasons why it is still a good time to invest in home ownership. And Brandy Snowden, Director of Member and Consumer Survey Research for the National Association of Realtors, is with us this morning. Now, Brandy, of course, you're not saying that there aren't challenges because there are and they've been well documented. But the news that makes people nervous is not the only news there is when it comes to real estate. That's really the message here, right? That is, yes. So we are seeing that our potential home buyers, they're facing lots of challenges just even to enter home ownership. But yeah, we are seeing some challenges trends just as we go further into the year. So let's talk a little about some of those trends and some of what we are seeing uh, for the rest of this year into 2024. Some economists have predicted some cooling of the market, which is not too much of a stretch because that's what usually happens around this time of year. But what are the trends that agents are, are currently seeing? What can we expect for the remainder of this year and into next? So uh, just for this past month in June, when we look at our monthly existing home sales, we did see those drop by 3.3%. But even with that decline, we saw that home prices have really held firm in most parts of the country. Um, And then we are also seeing that mortgage rates are significantly higher than they were in the previous year. But still looking historically, we're seeing that they have remained relatively low and relatively steady. And then the other big trend that we're continuing to see is housing inventory and just that shortage of um, available homes that are even on the market. And looking um, further into 2024, we are anticipating that existing home sales will have an increase by 15.4%. So that's a a fairly healthy increase. As a matter of fact, uh, digging a little deeper into uh, some of these statistics here, I know NAR recently released its second quarter Metro Home Prices Report. Give us some of the insights, uh, some of the things that stand out to you from that report. Sure. So, we again, nationally, we've seen that home sales were down due to those higher mortgage rates and also limited inventory. But um, just when we look at these different local markets, we still see some slight variations and differences. So even when we look specifically at Toledo, Ohio, we see that 
um, in the second quarter that the typical median home price was $177,000, and that was actually up 2.3% from one year ago. Just to interject, that is significant because that median home price is a lot lower than the national home price, and I, I think that's part of what we get caught up in these uh, national headlines that doesn't necessarily tell us what is happening in our local markets. True. So we do continue to see these different variations looking in different parts of the country, but uh, we are continuing to track these quarterly. So we're always looking at some of yeah. the, how those prices are moving in different markets. Yeah. And part of it, too, is how you frame it. I mean, yes, home prices are up, but that means that homeowners are going to see a greater return on investment over time. And in fact, that's exactly what you have seen over the past decade continues to be one of the reasons why home ownership is a, a good investment. Absolutely. So we've continued to see that over the last decade that homeowners are really benefiting from these um, home price appreciation. And um, we've also seen that just over the past decade that looking at the median priced homes in the U.S., that they're the typical homeowner is 40 times wealthier than they would have been if they had not purchased or if they had wow. remained a renter throughout that time. So we're seeing that homeownership continues to be a big catalyst for Americans to build wealth and also generational wealth. Yeah, no question. That's, that's a number that will jump out and get your attention right away. Uh, again, with generally higher interest rates than a year ago and a housing inventory uh, that remains very tight, what advice are you giving to people who are looking to buy a home in this current market? Because to realize uh, all of that uh, generational wealth and the uh, increase in you know the return in investment that we we're talking about, to realize that you got to get in at some point. So, what advice are you giving folks looking to buy a home in this market today? So, one of the first things that we recommend is working with an agent who's a realtor. We can really help those potential buyers and guide them through the whole home search process and also home home buying process and really um, help them meet their buying objectives and they're looking to stay within a particular market or budget, then um, an agent that is a realtor can really help them. And then also, again, like we continue to talk about since inventory is so low, we um, would really recommend if you see a home that you love to be ready to move fast to get that home. Yeah. Uh, all of those uh, typical uh, pieces of advice about, you know, knowing how much you can afford and getting pre-approved and, you know, all of those things certainly apply. And as you said, just to underscore, more important than ever to work with a professional who can help you navigate uh, the challenges in this market. And I know that's the plug for your organization, but it is also very good advice. You have a number of resources available even online for those who are looking to start in that process, right? We do. So we also recommend looking on Realtor.com and so that they can see some of the benefits of working with an agent who's a realtor and also just uh, to help them start their home buying process. Again, uh, Brandy Snowden is Director of Member and Consumer Survey Research for the National Association of Realtors. Mention, once again, the uh, website where folks can find all of this data that we're talking about and, again, some of those resources to help them uh, start to navigate uh, the uh, whole process here. Sure. So that was Realtor.com again, and that's where all of these potential home buyers and also homeowners can find more information about working with 
an agent who's a realtor to help them uh, through their home buying process. Brandy, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me today. You're listening to Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Have a follow-up to a story that we had in the broken news. Well, I guess a week or two ago, the story about the guy in Reno, Nevada, who had a uh, had, whose personalized license plate, the Nevada Department of Motor Vehicles, was trying to recall. Um, let's see. The, uh, the guy's... Well, I don't have the uh, the guy's name. Do we have the uh, name? It's not in this uh, in this story. I can't remember. I think we had his name before, but uh, in any event, uh, his license plate reads G O B K two C A. Go back to California. <laughs> That's his his license plate, and uh, he's had the the plate for like nineteen years. But last month, a post about the license plate went viral on Facebook, and a few days later, the Nevada DMV uh, sent him a letter uh, saying that they were recalling the plate. They were invalidating the plate uh, because it was offensive, apparently, to say to their neighbors, go back to California. Well, now, uh, he wasn't taking this laying down. He actually took the DMV to court, and now uh, an administrative judge has ruled that he can keep his license plate. He said, the judge said he's had it for 19 years. They've had plenty of, ch- uh, of chances to recall it if they truly thought it was offensive. And uh, he's he's going to get to keep it now. So, <laughs> go back to California. <laughs> Tired of these California interlopers coming over to Nevada. Anyway. Happy ending to that story for the guy with the uh, Go Back to California license plate. Speaking of uh, the silver state of Nevada, the uh, Humane Society for the state of Nevada uh, says they are going to rethink the duck race portion of their annual fundraiser. (laughs) During this year's event, which was held this past weekend, the barrier broke and thousands of plastic rubber ducks ended up uh, in the Truckee River about 20,000 uh, the plastic ducks. You know how these uh, duck races go, right? Uh, people uh, sponsor a duck. They put your name on the on the duck, and then they put it in the river and see which one you know gets to the end line uh, the quickest, these rubber ducks. About 20,000 rubber ducks uh, got dumped into the water, but uh, at least a few thousand of them made it past the catch fence at the end of the course uh firefighters humane society employees and volunteers spent two days picking wayward rubber ducks uh from the uh, stretch of shoreline about four miles down river from where the race was supposed to end (laughs) oops it's embarrassing so they're gonna rethink that uh elsewhere in the broken news This is our story from Florida today of Lucia County woman uh, (laughs) apparently had the brilliant idea. She was wanted in connection with a uh, with an attack on on another person. And I don't know the full details of the assault case against her, but apparently prosecutors wanted to match her DNA 
to the handle of uh, a knife that was recovered at the crime scene. Uh, Nicole Max is her name. She reportedly had the brilliant idea that she could fool the DNA test by covering her body in Diet Mountain Dew. (laughs) When she was supposed to report for a DNA test, she covered her body in Diet Mountain Dew, thinking that would erase her DNA. Um, Didn't work. Uh, she has uh, entered a plea of uh, not guilty to the uh, charges. Uh, although, I think they um, apparently they recovered a knife and a hammer uh, outside of a local convenience store. They wanted to match her DNA. <laughs> Diet Mountain Dew will not erase DNA. Um, <laughs> brilliant idea. Now, here is a, an interesting idea, an interesting concept. Uh, you know how AI is taking over everything, uh, artificial intelligence. And you remember a story, I think a couple of months ago, we had uh, in the broken news about uh, somebody coming up with the idea of using AI to help you have conversations with long-lost relatives as a way of coping with your grief. Not as not under the guise of bringing your loved one back from the dead or you know communicating with, uh, with their spirit from the great beyond but more as a coping mechanism. Well, this is kind of along the same lines. A new AI-powered app lets users speak with Christian religious figures, such as Jesus, Mary, Joseph, and even Satan. Through the miracle of artificial intelligence, you can carry on a conversation with Satan. Uh, while the app is free, talking to the devil himself comes with a two ninety nine monthly charge. <laughs> so, so the devil's in it, just in it for the money, apparently. Two ninety nine a month, and you can text message with uh, with the devil or with Jesus or you know. The developers say the app was created for devoted Christians seeking a deeper connection with the most iconic figures of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Right. Not just a money grab. No, not at all. Not <laughs> two ninety nine a month to speak with the devil. That's all right. Uh, from the international file, the broken news: prosecutors in Paris say that two Americans apparently got stuck in the Eiffel Tower on Sunday night because they were drunk. That's. And some American tourists in Europe, of course they were drunk. Uh, The pair were found asleep inside the Eiffel Tower on Monday morning. They reportedly purchased tickets uh, to uh, visit the tower uh, for 10.40 p.m. and then snuck into an area that was uh, closed to visitors. Then they got stuck uh, in this area between the second and third floors of the tower. And so they they just ended up spending the night. Firefighters removed the uh, two men on Monday morning, and they were brought to a police station for questioning. <laughs> oh goodness! Americans give all of us such a such a good name when they travel overseas. Sometimes 
trouble that they can get into. And finally, in the uh, broken news this morning, Robert Dell, uh, St. Petersburg, Florida, uh, has been apprehended in connection with a theft operation. Uh, Florida Attorney General uh, reveals that Mr. Dell and four of his associates, including his wife and his mother, all face charges related to pilfering over a million dollars worth of merchandise from Home Depot. Not from one single Home Depot, but from stores across multiple counties in Florida. Uh, Authorities claim the merchandise, including uh, tools from major brands like Milwaukee and DeWalt, uh, all of this merchandise was then resold on eBay um, uh, under the alias of you know, being an anointed uh, liquidation, and it was a liquidation house. Officials allege that Mr. Dell um, manipulated a number of individuals into participating in these crimes. The operation is suspected to have spanned more than a decade, resulting in total losses perhaps as high as $5 million dollars. He's facing charges including racketeering, conspiracy to commit racketeering, dealing in stolen property, and so on and so forth. Uh, Others have been charged as well. I should mention what makes this uh, kind of eyebrow-raising is that Robert Dell happens to be the pastor at the Rock Church, a uh, super church, uh, mega church in Pinellas County. He's he's the pastor of the church. Hmm. Pinellas County. That's really not what uh, pastors should be doing as a side hustle. I mean, I understand that sometimes you got to make a little extra money, but uh, times are tough. It's really not. Maybe what he needs is a come to Jesus moment on the AI app. That's what he needs. That's what he really needs. Let's get him a a conversation with Jesus on that uh, AI app. There you go. Uh, That is today's Broken News Report, an update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Are you struggling to feed your family? Need clothing but can't afford to shop at the store? Chopin Hall is here to help. Chopin Hall is a local food and clothing pantry. If you live in Hancock County and qualify based on income, Chopin Hall welcomes you. You can visit Chopin for food and clothing each month and also attend the many mobile food pantries. To learn more and to view the dates, times, and locations of the monthly mobile food pantries, visit ChopinHall.org. Chopin, Christians helping other people in need. This message provided by WFIN. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news, and the statistics that shape our lives. Maybe it's because inflation has been such a big concern over the past couple of years, but America has become a nation of bargain hunters. We had this, you may remember the story not all that long ago, the number of individuals with even six-figure salaries uh, are now shopping at dollar stores. <laughs> and, uh, you know, people who can afford to buy whatever they want, buy you know, full-price retailers still, uh, because we're all searching for bargains. New survey of 2,000 Americans about their shopping habits finds 36% respondents say they will always look for a deal, even when their finances are doing well. Uh, they still, we, we just, we're bargain hunters. Uh, 34% of those in the survey say they are the best bargain hunter they know. <laughs> I'm the best bargain hunter out there. So, 
uh, and 87% of those uh, respondents to the poll say that they uh, will carry their money-saving habits with them forever. Things that maybe they've picked up over the years, especially uh, as inflation uh, has tightened budgets and everything, and these will become permanent habits. Um, The survey find that 8 in 10 believe that finding items on sale is important in today's economy. 66% are confident that they can find a deal on any item, that if you look hard enough, you can find a deal on anything. So here were some of the favorite hacks, money-saving hacks, according to the bargain hunters uh, in the survey. And these are in no particular order necessarily, but the ways of finding a deal. So if you're looking for some new creative ways to save a little money, look for items off-season that are on clearance. Especially things that you can you know, just stock, uh, stock away in a closet sometime. Like, for example, right now, you might be able to find great deals on bathing suits. Uh, because we're at the end of summer. So you can buy those, stick it in the closet, and you'll have it for next year when you won't have to pay full price. My wife and I do this the day after Christmas. We'll go out and pick up you know, all of the 50% off stuff, uh, the uh, Christmas clearance items, so that we don't have to pay full price for them the next holiday. We just stick it in the closet. Uh, check multiple stores to find the uh, best bang for the buck on the things you want to buy. That's kind of a no-brainer there. Uh, avoid impulse shopping. That'll always get you. Uh, do lots of research before you buy, which is a given. Although, you can actually do too much research. I don't know if you've ever had this happen. You've gotten so uh, deep into the research that you get overloaded with information. And, uh, of course, I've done that, and I've been so overloaded that I end up just buying nothing, which I guess is a money-saving tip. <laughs> In and of itself, search for coupon codes on the internet for various stores or various things that you want to buy. So those coupon codes can save you money. And I thought this was kind of an interesting uh, idea, putting a dollar in a jar for every hour that you spend watching TV or scrolling mindlessly on your phone, streaming videos or, or what have you. A dollar for every hour that you waste. Man, where did the summer go? Already, we're talking about back to school, and that means another high school sports season is about to kick off. In fact, it's already underway for uh, everything but football, I think. the Football, I think, is the last of the uh, fall sports to actually start their regular season. John Marshall is uh, with us, host of the Coach's Corner, which returns tonight right here on uh, WFIN. And, John, thanks very much for dropping by. Happy to be here, sir. Appreciate it. And I'll tell you, uh, just hard to believe that we're, you know, here we are again. It it always (laughs) goes fast. When when the last coaches show runs in the, like, first week or second week of March, Mm -hmm. it's always like, Oh, so much time to do all these things. <laughs> yeah. Get and, ready for the next season. Yep. And all of a sudden it is here. Mm-hmm. So uh, first Friday night football games are coming up uh, this week. Um, the uh, Trojans are kicking off with uh, Toledo Central Catholic. Uh, again, nothing like jumping into the deep end. Right. Yeah. Um, Toledo Central Catholic, of course, they've been playing them in league play. Right for a decade or more in the uh, Three Rivers Athletic Conference, but with the end of the track, uh, Findlay and Clay, Whitmer, and uh, one 
other and it, oh fremont ross <laughs> fremont of course ross. Yeah. um uh, moving to the northern lakes league uh toledo central catholic the all of the catholic schools yeah, in they're... toledo are playing in a league in detroit yeah yeah so um but but keeping uh finley on the uh, schedule mm-hmm. and this is one of the things we talked with uh we talked with uh, Coach Adams, and we were talking with uh, Tim Montgomery uh, last week ahead of the final scrimmage, the uh, Trojan Country uh, uh, celebration uh, for the uh, final scrimmage. The fact that even though the Trojans are entering a new league, it's not necessarily unfamiliar territory. Not only are they bringing along a lot of the track uh, former track schools uh, with them, but also they're going to be uh, meeting a lot of teams they've played in the past. So it's not an unknown quantity. Uh, at all a much easier transition than some league changes right what the last three four years i think they've played uh, anthony wayne the first right. the first game of the season exactly. uh, perrysburg has been in, involved there now perrysburg has left the nll but uh, still it's it's yeah. a reasonably familiar situation right. for them yeah it's not like uh it's a completely unknown quantity here uh what about the rest of the uh, county schools the bvc we say the rest of the county schools we used to just say the bvc but you talk about changes uh there are some significant changes uh to the bvc already and more coming so. Corey rawson north baltimore have mm-hmm. left the bvc for mm-hmm. the northwest central conference van Lu is out of the bvc for football only the remainder of this of the sports will stay mm-hmm. uh in blanchard valley conference competition ada and lipsick will be coming into the bvc and liberty benton will be leaving here yeah. in a couple of years so right. it, it's just uh, it's and, it's just in flux yeah and uh elmwood uh, right with they uh coming in right. but you wonder how long elmwood might stay with liberty benton leaving right um so yeah it is definitely a conference in flux uh it'll be interesting to see over the next season uh what the future may be for the conference and what direction exactly they go just really at this point I think everybody who is not in the know, like involved deeply in mm-hmm. in the league, is just kind of sitting around waiting, yeah, waiting for the next shoe to drop. Yeah, exactly. And I think maybe even some of the membership <laughs> right. of the uh, of the conference are not really sure what this conference is going to look like uh, in the in in the future. But for this season. I guess you got to like Liberty Benton. Who else uh, is in the mix? Liberty Benton graduated a lot of players, but uh, got a lot of playing time from freshmen and sophomores last year. So mm-hmm. certainly they are are right up there. Uh, Macomb graduated a lot, but uh, they Macomb always, just reloads. They always seem to reload. They, they don't indeed. rebuild; they reload. It's uh, one of those things. Yeah. Pandora Gilboa has uh, many returners, so uh, looking to see them do some good things. Mm-hmm. Um, Elmwood graduated a lot of talent from a very good team a year ago, and uh, not only that, but one of their assistants left for a head coaching job and took a couple of assistants with him. Hmm. So uh, not sure what to expect there. And that is an unknown quantity. Again, you talk about uh, Finley not being uh, very uncomfortable moving into the NLL. Elmwood, this is a big change moving into the BBC. Right. Um, they they have played Liberty Benton on occasion in the playoffs, right? But uh, outside of that, outside, I don't think right. any real experience uh, with BBC teams elsewhere in the uh, BBC. Arlington graduated quite a few, but uh, Josh McGrain seems to get everything he can out yeah. of the the Red Devils. 
And um, remember, Arlington knocked off uh, LB last right, year. Right, exactly. So they, they're definitely one to watch. Van Buren has a new coach in Ethan Purser, but he is familiar because uh, he spent seven years at Arcadia before right. moving to the Black Knights. Mm-hmm. And with him leaving Arcadia, the Redskins have a, a new head coach, Sean Adams. Um, he's spent a number of years as defensive coordinator at Mansfield Madison, but he is also kind of familiar. He's a grad of Corey Rawson and uh, was an assistant at Arcadia in the early 90s. So uh, he's he's coming back to what may seem at least a little bit familiar. Yeah. And uh, Sam Petrie at Riverdale, he's building a program there. This is the his third year after his player with the players at Riverdale had four coaches in four years uh, prior to that. So, uh, again, just really don't know what to expect from the BBC other than LB and McComb. Yeah, I think that makes it fun. Right. Because you don't know. uh, There's a lot of uh, unknowns there. As I mentioned, Arlington could be a sleeper, uh, Mm -hmm. jump up and bite either of the the two favorites. Right. Um, And, you know, you've got uh, some high hopes for a number of uh, other teams with new leadership and you know high school football by its very nature too you know you turn over the entire team every couple three years basically Mm -hmm. and so you know it's always that's one of the things we love about it football not the only thing obviously that's uh, going on uh and tonight on the uh, coach's corner going to be talking volleyball talking some soccer that's right uh chris lute hold the uh Volleyball coach at Corey Rawson. He was the volleyball coach for a couple of decades, uh, retired, and now has pulled a uh, Tom Brady. Come, come back, right? <laughs> yes, uh, he he's been out for several years. So uh, we're I'm interested to talk to Chris and uh, Jeff Swaysgood, the boys uh, boys uh, soccer coach at Van Buren, uh, mm-hmm. will be there as well. Also uh, had a chance to talk to uh, football coach Derek Kidwell from Faustoria. They will be playing Van Buren on Friday night, and that game will be broadcast on our sister station, 100.5 WKXA. All right, so uh, get a little insight into uh, into that season kickoff over on our sister station. You mentioned uh, soccer. Kind of interesting. Jeff Swaysgood, obviously, has been at Van Buren for many, many years. Mm-hmm. And the, the BBC does not have a, a soccer program. They, soccer, right. they have a, a, a separate kind of their own league uh, that uh, that they play in. And uh, Liberty Benton uh, soccer program started off uh, this past Friday night, their uh, opener, uh, with a scoreless draw against Ottawa Hills. Oh. Which you talk about, uh, that's, you talk about jumping into the deep end. Ottawa Hills is a powerhouse small school soccer in uh, in Ohio, not just this part of Ohio, but in Ohio. And uh, they played them to a scoreless draw. So that's a, a pretty good start for uh, Liberty Bound. There's some really good stuff happening in local soccer here, too. Soccer, volleyball, mm-hmm. football, yeah. uh, cross country, golf, you know, all of the uh, all of the schools around the area really seem to have a, a really good sports program. And of course, we like to remind people educational athletics it's really educational so you know that it it, it's just a very nice addition yeah and uh remind people that we're talking about more than just football on the uh, coach's corner Mm -hmm. that is uh tonight six o'clock right tonight six o'clock at ralphie's on trenton avenue in findlay and uh want to thank the greenery for sponsoring all right and uh we'll look forward to 
uh, weekly conversations with all of the uh, local sports uh, leaders, coaches, and so on and so forth uh, each Wednesday right here on uh, WFIN. Uh, and again, John Marshall, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Look forward to it tonight, kicking off the new season. Thanks for letting me come by. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the show at our webpage, that, of course, goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, the Findlay Farmer's Market is kind of changing things up this week. We'll get details. Plus, members of the cast will join us to preview the Fort Findlay Playhouse second stage production of Ben Franklin, An Ingenious Life. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.